Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So I've been looking to find a, a new bag that's a, a versatile bag. One that I could take to the gym, but also take around town that's lightweight and high quality as well. I actually had just bought a bag that wasn't really working out for me. It's just the quality of the zippers and you could like part of the side ripped already as I was trying to stuff some stuff into it. And fortunately, I just got hooked up with Solo New York, which is one of the biggest bag brands in the country. But really what's so fantastic is the versatility and quality of their gear, their varsity all-star backpack duffel is the one that i picked out it transforms into a duffel you can hold it on the side on top or you can put it on your back as well it's got a separate compartment for shoes i actually can fit my size 13 basketball shoes in there if i'm going to go to the gym it opens up the way like a suitcase would open up from the top and it's also got compartments for backpack stuff it's got a, a laptop bag. and i think the, the biggest thing that i like about it the most is just the quality like the, the zippers they move freely and easily and they never get caught and they They've got great pulls on them that you can tell aren't going to break. So really, if you're looking for a new bag that's versatile, I mean, that's a, it's an important product too. I mean, just having a bag that actually has compartments and you have a system and you know where everything is in it, it actually really makes your life a lot easier. So the way to get started with them, solo-ny.com slash capspace is the UR slash capspace. Easy to remember, we talk about it all the time in the program. They have hundreds of designs and you can get 25% off your order. Solo-ny.com slash capspace. Once again, that's 25% off at solo-ny.com slash catspace. Well, Danny, it seems like there's not really as much to talk about here, but there was a, a rather unexpected trade between Philly and Denver and one that helps out Denver's tax concerns, creates a pretty big hole on their roster, potentially, uh, as we figured would happen when they tried to get out of the tax. But at least Denver avoided having to give up huge assets to get out of the tax. But they also had to give up the most valuable player of the three that we thought they were going to move right so the three players we're talking about here are wilson chandler who got moved in this deal kenneth farid and darrell arthur i mean darrell arthur you know relatively close to their money Farid, i think people still have some value but his contract is is richer than than arthur's is but so wilson chandler gets traded from denver to philadelphia alongside a 2021 second and then a, a second round pick swap so not a huge pick swap it's a second round pick swap in 2022 and so it kind of accomplishes two different goals for the Nuggets. It gets them out of this salary burden, as you said. My numbers put them at about eight point nine million over the tax right now. That is not their tax payment. That is the amount they are over the tax. And at eight point nine, it's a first of all that number is a lot easier to manage than where they were before, where they're in the twenties. But also getting out of eight point nine million, should they want to do that, is a lot easier. And then for Philly, the goal here was to get a player who can be a part of the rotation. And I would not expect Wilson chandler to start for them but he is more of a forward than either a, a one two which was one option that had been considered or a two three you know they could go in a lot of a lot of different ways with the perimeter which was their biggest need and apparently i mean we don't know this for sure but it sounds like philadelphia picked this over their remaining option
options on the perimeter. And when we talk about some of the other moves that happen, that makes a little bit of sense, sort of paralleling what happened with Amir Johnson, where I don't think Philly picked the the door of the ones that are theoretically open that I would have chosen, but it's not so far down the list that I'm going to trash them for it. Yeah, obviously this comes with an opportunity cost, but there is one nice thing about this move too, and that is because Chandler was taken into cap space, he could be moved again immediately and he can also be aggregated. So that's that's big because this is now matching salary that they have if they want to make a trade, not even necessarily Kawhi Leonard, but they could try to get somebody else as well during the season if you know things kind of aren't working out. And Chandler is a guy who Ethan Strauss wrote this piece a little bit ago that I contributed to and that we had a little supplementary discussion of uh, on Patreon that I just, he had recorded it. So I was like, hey, can I post it? And he's like, sure. Uh, about how sometimes it's more about not having weaknesses than having great strengths. And Chandler at this point doesn't really have any great strengths. At one point, he, he could be a decent score against mismatches. That really seemed to have waned last year. He shoots it okay from three, but isn't an enormous threat. But you can't just leave him wide open out there either. Uh, and defensively, he's not going to really like lock anybody down. But you know, you're not just quaking in your boots if he's got to guard someone on the perimeter. He's certainly a little older in his early 30s now. But uh, someone who definitely can help him can definitely be in the rotation. I mean, remember, this is a guy for Denver who played 48 minutes and was over three from the field in their season closing game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so he definitely is a player who has value in a high value game and they don't need him to start if there's if Robert Covington just goes super cold again or he's getting overpowered maybe you could could throw Chandler out there or he could be part of uh, the rotation I mean what do you think the opportunity cost was here like what, what were some of the other options that they might have had well we don't know how into the mix they got on Tyreek Evans he is now off the market yeah I don't think they really Wayne Ellington is I don't think they there. really could do that with Fultz in the full I think they want to try to make an investment right. in Fultz this year right for me the main one was Wayne Ellington I, I think that Ellington as kind of a Reddick light would have been fascinating because they could have done a lot of similar stuff and they could have played those guys together especially against second units where teams just don't have a lot of guys that can that you can exploit you at the three defensively I think they could have done that you know maybe they could have danced around Luca Shard and Bamute though I'm guessing the Rockets are going to have a multi-year offer that I think that's just kind of the way this is going because there aren't that many other options left yeah, for them. Isn't it odd that if that was going to happen it hasn't yet? It is odd and I, I wonder a little bit about that and yeah I mean Houston's taxpayer MLE is one of the more interesting questions that is still out there and then you know the usual suspects in terms of the lower end threes like Ennis and Travion Graham like guys that can be in your rotation right there and it's an important consideration for Philly that this is a single year contract like they they theoretically you know some some people brought up oh they could have gone after player x who is a restricted free agent well no they probably couldn't have because that has to be a a multi-year offer it has to be competitive enough that the other team is not going to match and that takes a bunch of time so I understand why they didn't go in that direction over and the unrestricted market is is pretty weak right now and especially because they were able to get a backup center not my favorite backup center again for the minimum it was smart to use this space to get a perimeter player it was smart anyway but it was 
it was good to use it for a perimeter player. And the point guard market, I understand that idea. Like, oh, they could have gotten a, a, a one who maybe could be more of a fit with the starting lineup than TJ McConnell is, just because McConnell's strength and weaknesses don't make any sense there. So getting somebody, I don't know, like Napier, Seth Curry, some maybe you could make an argument with that, but I would rather have Wilson Chandler than those guys. Yeah, especially if you have to match up against Boston. you got to guard Jason Tatum, got to guard Jalen Brown, you got to guard Jordan Hayward, or Gordon Hayward, I should say. So, yeah, I, I think this is a fine move. I mean, maybe you could say I would have rather had Ellington, but he has some defensive limitations, you know, so, uh, and again, they're biggest. And he also might be looking for something different in a in a location or in a contract. Yeah, he, I mean, maybe he wants multiple years. He is from Philly, but they also say sometimes that guys don't want to play in their hometowns. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a, a solid move, especially when you consider that it keeps open the possibility of a trade in the near term that maybe wouldn't have been available uh, had they just signed someone who couldn't be traded until December 15th. I want to do a little bit more on Denver's side, just because I think this is additional color that could be valuable here. So the biggest losers in this trade might actually be the Bulls and the Hawks, because we had talked about the idea that Denver giving up a maybe a first round pick, that was what happened in the mock-off season, to get out of Fareed and Arthur, because if they got out of both those guys it looked like at that point it was going to get them out of the tax now with Wilson with uh Will Barton getting the money he got it might have been a little bit tougher but now they're only 8.9 million over the tax line that is not enough in terms of a sense of urgency but also they don't have to clear as much salary so I'm not sure Denver will be able to get out of the money should they feel the need to without giving up a strong asset but at least lowers the urgency kind of moves them down down the list which could be very useful and I'm interested in kind of what the asset return how, how that factors in with everything else but it is worth noting should denver still want to go down that road they could by moving farid and arthur they would be able to by my rough count be able to use the full non-tax paramilly while staying under the tax which would be pretty awesome for them because then they could get a small forward theoretically somebody who could do that and if they just cleared farid they would be below enough to get like a three to four million dollar small forward and that's probably enough for one of those kind of low-end guys that i was talking about with the sixers like a travion graham or james ennis so I think there's still another move for Denver to make, but now they don't have to be, they're not, they're not under the thumb of all of these other cap teams nearly as much. Yeah. And I mean, this is now a manageable tax bill, right? It, it was at the, before it was, okay, there's no way they're, they're paying this thing. And maybe Arthur or Fareed could be traded for guys who make a little bit less. You know, there are ways to pare it down. I mean, my position, you know, what we've kind of heard from them is the idea that, okay, you know, we could pay the tax for one year, you know, we're going to be out of it again next year when they hope to maybe use some cap space they also had a roster crunch as well basically we're at 15 guys uh with michael porter already they still need a backup point guard that they need to bring in here as well i mean they basically have one one and zero threes on their roster right now now will barton is going to start at the three they brought him back for that purpose i think they're just going to never stop it but will barton is probably still better than wilson chandler overall and you know maybe the move here too could be that rather than move on from Arthur and Fareed they might move Mason Plumley instead who is overpaid probably by you know about six or seven million dollars per season but he's at least someone who can play maybe there would be a team that would take him without getting a, a first round pick that, that they had to trade away I mean that's really the goal if they can get out of this tax crunch or at least reduce it without having to give up a first round pick and you know we'll see what Juan Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley end up doing maybe Malik Beasley is going to play someone this year uh 
he's more suited to guard ones so we'll see how he looks in summer leagues he'll be playing in his third summer league and they also had some talk about bringing back Tory Craig they've got Devin Harris as well you know maybe but unlikely I think there's also talk that they might try to bring Monty Morris onto the active roster but he actually is on a two-way again this year so there's really no impetus for them to do that they can hold on to Morris and then see whether uh you know give him some shots with the big club and then see if you know maybe he's worth it and they can bring him onto the full roster but they uh so this helps them I mean I think this you know a second round pick and then another second round pick swap that's kind of that seems about right this was a fair trade I would say for both sides you agree with that I do I I think that it is and do you have anything else on this or do you move on to Philly's other move yeah they re-signed Amir Johnson for the veterans minimum which I think is a solid deal good locker room bet still a guy who during the regular season was able to play and now they have Rashawn Holmes they have Amir Johnson yeah they're bringing guys back it's not it's not sexy but as we talked about in the mock-off season I mean you if you're going to criticize Philly for not making the most of this cap space you know tell me what other moves were out there that they could have done I think they kept flexibility open they got Reddick to come back for pretty cheap they still have their room exception available too we'll see maybe I don't think that could get them someone like Ellington but might still be able to get them something or it'll put them in good position on the buyout market this year to be able to outbid some other suitors potentially yeah that's what I think it could be used for yeah especially because they again have this roster crunch and they are uh Jonah Bolden got his FIBA clearance letter so he maybe he's someone who could give them some minutes and the roster crunch doesn't bother me that much I mean you can always move on from like Cork Maz or Justin Anderson or something uh especially with Chandler in the fold now Anderson is pretty redundant and he's a free agent at the end of this year anyway so that might be and if I were another team I might just with cap space I might again try to take a flyer on him we've been talking about that for years and years and it looks like he's just never going to develop but especially with some of the injury concerns he's had but still you know he's a guy with three and d tools so those guys get chances and should yeah and with Amir I, I certainly understand the rationale from the from the Sixers perspective a guy who was probably popular in the locker room I've heard very good things about him over over the past and was willing to come back for the minimum knows what his responsibilities are I had a couple guys higher than him Kylo Quinn most notably who I I secured for them in the mock-off season because I thought he was the best fit. And when it opened up the room mid-level, I thought that even made more sense because I think O'Quinn's a little bit more solid. But the margin between those two guys is is not massive. And now Philly, should they, oh, heaven forbid, have the need for more at the center position, like if Embiid had a sustained injury or something like that, they could theoretically use the room mid-level to sign somebody on the buyout market or whatever like they they would be able to to make something work there if they had to and Amir is as a backup is solid and as a kind of gap filler at center and remember they also have Rashawn Holmes still too yeah they do although Holmes uh, was struggled a little bit I and mean, he's he's better offensively than Amir but nowhere near as good defensively and you know we'll see uh, a lot of bigs still out there. Uh, Brooke Lopez looks like Dwight Howard is probably going to sign with the Wizards, so that hasn't been confirmed, confirmed, confirmed. But looks like it's going that direction. He hasn't technically been bought out yet. Uh, and you know, I think there are better players than Amir Johnson out there. Might, they might have cost more. You know, Chan- Channing Fry probably isn't. I don't know if he's better than Amir. He's not as rugged, but he provides a different element. And uh, Kyle Quinn, Greg Monroe. I mean, there, there are guys out there who can play. But you know, yeah, the the Sixers they didn't remake their team. They didn't get maybe as modern as they would have liked but they're never going to play that way anyway they're always going to play conventional pick and roll defense with Joel Embiid and so when you got him back there you can get away with guys like Redick on the perimeter a little bit more so I I think uh they did as about as well as they could have maybe if they'd have gotten a little bit sexier backup center and another backup too but you know again it's worth noting they have an investment in TLC they have an investment somewhat in Korkmaz they got an investment in Fultz too I mean that the, the backup shooting guard if Fultz can come back and actually shoot a little bit you know you're not as worried about backup shooting guard you could play 
play that too so i i think this is fine to and they can make moves that chandler could be traded eventually also they've got that extra pick in the larder so they don't have to complete their team right now if it looks like these young guys aren't ready you can go in the middle of the season and fill in those holes yeah and i mean depth was an issue for this sixers team last year i think they're better positioned right now it'll obviously depend on on how all this works out which of their young guys can step into anything really but if if they can get that from any one of them i think that would be a big help Let's move to LA now with the Clippers, where Zach Lowe reporting that, as we suspected, a substantial non-guarantee on Avery Bradley's two-year $25 million deal. Uh, looks like, doing the math from his tweet, $1.5 million guaranteed in the second year. Uh, and so that's something that they could easily stretch and wouldn't impact their cap space. Clippers still, in 2019 looking at over 60 million in space right now and with bradley back they really their team's about done they got a ton of different options bradley also the beauty of that as we talked about is he can be traded now because he's got that non-guarantee on the last year and as long as he gets traded you know prior to the trade deadline then the other team wouldn't have to guarantee his salary right away if he gets traded after the trade deadline which would be you know once the clippers season ends then the other team would have to guarantee that salary or you would he would just count for nothing and it becomes very difficult because he counts as the guaranteed amount outgoing and the full amount incoming so it becomes very difficult to do that if you don't guarantee him but as long as you do that before the trade deadline he can still get around that so good job by the clippers fair deal for all uh i mean i think and as we mentioned especially with that nine guarantee i thought a missed opportunity i mean that's one where maybe you could say philly should have tried to get avery bradley instead of wilson chandler uh but you know i'm not sure that bradley really wanted to go there because he was with the clippers he's probably going to start i don't think he's going to st- he would have started in philly yeah especially once they brought reddick back i mean you'd be looking at kind of six man spot and and if markel fultz ascended then there would be even less of an opportunity and bradley is presumably his primary goal this year is to rehabilitate his value it's a lot easier to rehabilitate your value as a starter than as a back yeah and it will be a crowded backcourt I mean we still haven't heard anything about Taya Dosich getting waived yet so he, he might still be around they've definitely got quite a few guys there they've got Mike Scott we still don't know what the terms of that are yet uh not that he's in the backcourt but that's the, the other move that they've made so far but they still got uh T- uh Tyrone Wallace and who is out there as a restricted free agent now with the Clippers probably not having the space to match he should be very good with an offer sheet i would recommend teams uh, doing that once the moratorium ends and i would do the same with montrez harrell if the clippers are really really steadfast about not going multiple years i would feel pretty you know you, you're, it's never a lock or anything like that but if you had a number that you were happy with why not take a shot at montrez harrell staying in la now they didn't have a signing but some interesting news one reporting indicating that the lakers passed on demarcus cousins at a similar number to the warriors and that cousins may have even wanted to go there first which if i were him i might feel that way because you're probably at least going to get to close games at center there but the lakers because they worried that he wasn't gonna be ready to start the season pass it him. that seems like relatively short-sighted thinking to me for the lakers frankly i mean to get cousins with that type of upside uh again we don't know if he's ever going to be the same player i think odds are that he won't you know the elton brand comparison i thought was an interesting one that's been thrown around it's kind of similar body type to cousins never was the same after the achilles although he remained an effective player for a time but he was he was kind of more of a little things guy than cousins but yeah i mean i I think okay yeah he's not ready until december fine you know just find some other center you could do that figure out a way to to play or around it maybe they're worried from a chemistry standpoint but uh you know (laughs) they've uh, made some signings that would indicate that is not really a huge concern for them 
And then another interesting report coming from Woj that Lonzo and his camp leaked the thought that they might need surgery. And now they're saying, oh no, he, I guess, has a torn meniscus, but maybe he won't need surgery necessarily. Uh, and that the reason that that was leaked was because they wanted to keep him in LA so he doesn't get traded, uh, which I, if he wants to do that, do whatever you do whatever you can to be where you want to be. I have no problems with that at all. Like if you're going to try and like convince me that he's some kind of cancer because he wanted to not be treated. He, he wanted to stay there he wanted to not be traded you know it's like like you if it's at the point where they're trying to trade you like being a team player kind of goes out the window at that point so uh i think uh we'll see what happens here i mean if he doesn't need surgery that's certainly a good thing i mean i think that's the biggest thing to come out of this is that maybe he won't need surgery and maybe he'd be ready to start the season and, and he'll still be able to have a, more of a summer but a very weird situation here yeah and as long i will add an additional caveat that as long as the injury is legitimate like i don't like guys inventing an injury so they don't get traded or something like that Dude, but if in, in his I, case I would where... i would do that i would do like Kyrie invented an injury well i guess he didn't invent it because he eventually needed the surgery but like dude if they're trying to trade you do oh, that i would do uh, if, like it like it like to say that hey i have an elective surgery i can do i i just think i think putting out a full a straight up false report that's the thing that would bother me this isn't false though this is just it's embellished well yeah i mean but and not it's, even not, necessarily. it's not clear like people are uh, i mean did i read it wrong like that the initial report said he's going to have surgery right like i'm not making that up am i well it, i think what happened because woge put out a correction i think he kind of he missed i'm talking about like, like, you know, like i'm talking can... about like five six days oh. ago when we first talked oh about oh that all i remember is torn meniscus i don't remember the surgery requirement I, I can't speak to it either way yeah i thought i i read that maybe i'm just misremembering it and if so i i apologize but yeah so we'll see whether he ends up having surgery that's going to be an interesting one where do you want to go next here let's go to indiana the pacers basically used up the remainder of their cap space on Tyreek Evans one year deal 12 million dollars and totally a reasonable player to add in another guy who can have the ball in his hands distinct chance that he will close some games I mean we they have a lot of different options there in the in the perimeter rotation now with Oladipo Collison Joseph Bogdanovich Tyreek I mean theoretically I guess Doug McDermott and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody but anyway they're 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 loaded there and so they could kind of go with whoever whoever's playing well and especially if they want to go to some lineups where Oladipo is kind of the lead guard and they don't play either Joseph or Collison then having Tyreek there is as another interesting piece especially if some of the shooting that he brought while he was in Memphis is confirmed over the course of another season or portion of it yeah that's the the question I think the one-year deal while certainly it might have been nice for Indiana to get him on a longer term deal because it's one thing to remember about all this right it's like there's this market and I think we all realize that this is an aberration in terms of being team friendly and but once we get to next year it's going to go back to the same as it's kind of been these last few years where you know 15 million dollars a year that's like a solid starter you know and so Tyreek Evans has played at that level at least he did last year now with his health there's a concern sometimes he's not as motivated but so you've got at least you know he's going to be motivated again to play well and perhaps he just simply wasn't interested in signing on for longer you know I think the players acknowledge that this is a really bad market for players who want to get back out there too but Evans has an injury history maybe that's behind him now that he's not playing in New Orleans anymore so it would have been nice maybe if they could have I mean even signed him to two years at 12 million a year you know maybe he would have been willing to do that or get the get the uh you know team option partial guarantee on the next year or, or uh something like that but I think he will really help them they needed one more guy who can really create especially if he can shoot the ball I know that you mentioned that sadly I don't think they are ever going to play Oladipo at the one and Evans at the two I, I think uh Evans defense 
is going to be a very interesting one you know he's never really been lauded on that end but you know I think clearly last year he was a much better player than Collison a better player than Joseph if they're playing him at the three better player than Bogdanovich I don't know that he's much worse defensively than Bogdanovich is either so uh, I think you could really get a lot out of him and he was the best free agent remaining in the market it was just a very interesting it seemed like it was faded cloud he was going to end up there you're just thinking like all right the negotiations have got to be interesting to where is it a one-year deal is it do they want him for longer does he not want to go for longer but they were the only ones who had money and he was the only real logical fit to go there at this point so uh it seemed like it was going to happen basically from the moment will barton re-signed in denver at this point after sending tyreek the boy sorry the pacers have about 4.3 million assuming they keep Carlson, which they will and on and then stretch al jefferson if these numbers hold i would actually probably not stretch al jefferson just take the medicine this year because they still have the room mid-level so i don't think they're going to get two four million dollar guys especially with their their roster being pretty well spoken for at this juncture so that's what i would do they have to decide that by a day after jefferson clears waivers so i I would probably go in that direction now that they don't need that money to sign tyreek or whoever else and the other part that we should talk about here just briefly is memphis keeping tyreek evans at at the trade deadline despite the fact that all they basically because non-bird rights were never going to be enough to keep him so they had to they were going to have to dip into the mid-level presumably they made him an offer of of some variety maybe multiple years and it would certainly have a lower salary for the 18-19 season than what he got in indiana because the value of that is lower and that is you know something we kind of expected when when they didn't hold on to it they could have gotten some assets maybe they couldn't have gotten the assets they wanted but holding firm going through all that i mean it's it's not as kind of embarrassing as what happened to atlanta who held firm on bellinelli and then just cut him and he went to the sixers for the minimum but it's not really that different yeah well and evans we know that there were offers i don't know that anyone was really even willing to give up much of anything for bellinelli or, or Ilyasova. i mean there are guys who uh, really just aren't tradable and for any kind of significant value and just end up getting bought out for that reason uh and but evans was not in that category now we still don't know exactly what was out there a first round pick probably wasn't but then another thing that you can look at here is they could have certainly gotten a first round pick if they'd been able to take back some money probably for Evans right and they just weren't willing to do that and so it was the stubbornness of not being willing to try yeah you know what you probably could only gotten some second rounders and if it was Boston you know those would have been crappy second rounders Philly I think wanted him to and so two second rounders wasn't enough Philly I'm sure would have been willing to part with a couple of their seconds that they parted with they had six seconds or whatever it was or four seconds I'm sorry in this year's draft initially but anyway uh yeah now that didn't work out too well but uh hey you know at least they avoided taking on money for 2018-19 to preserve all this awesome flexibility and free agency that they have uh really capitalized on this year we'll see maybe they could get someone still yeah they could get somebody still but they have the the room mid-level and they can do basically the same Memphis? stuff that they could have no before. no 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 the, the, the full mid-level right? oh, yeah. sorry sorry the non-taxpayer yeah. had, it, had it right in my head had it wrong in my mouth um so from there i i think the place to go is utah i mean yeah. so we still I, I i have an instinct here that we're going to see something on this third year but dante exum gets three years 33 million dollars from the jazz that is you know solid backup money but for multiple years and that also at the present time puts utah a little it makes it a little bit harder they can't keep both their non-guaranteed guys which are ekpe udo and drebko and use the non-taxpayer mle and stay under the tax so we'll see what choice they make there but the more important part thing here is Dante Exum and Exum when he's been healthy I still I still think there's a lot there fast as hell intriguing defensively not 
great at, you know, creating a ton for other people, but Utah's offense does more of the heavy lifting there than almost every other offense in the league. And they gambled a little bit on his on his upside and theoretically XM staying healthier. Yeah, and this is one of those ones where maybe the organization, as you mentioned, it does seem based on the market that some sort of a non-guarantee could be coming here on the end of this, but we'll see. And XM blinding speed, just the jump shot hasn't come around, obviously, but he had the shoulder injury last year. He's got to get a lot better as a shooter. I think he has some raw passing vision, especially when he's trying to gnash along the baseline or hit the roll man. He's got a nice chemistry with Gobert. Turns it over way too much, just has not played enough basketball. You know, really his brain probably needs more work just in terms of reps. And this is definitely an overpay for what Exum was last year. And it is going to bite into their 2019 space to the tune of about 11 million. So now they're at 38 million or so. But this is a team that has so many young players who are in the mix already you probably only really need to sign one big free agent and free agents that don't necessarily go to utah you could see them re-signing guys as well you could even see them holding on to favors in which case they would be down to about 20 million in space next summer so i i, I was expecting this to be lower but as still somewhat of an exum believer i think it was fine he's got a defensive upside and obviously that great speed so this could end up working out and remember again right this is an overpay in this market but you know this is this is the same contract that like terrence ross got you know and, and i i'm a bigger believer in what dante exum could be than i was of like what terrence ross could be when he signed his extension so i i think in that context it's fine a lot of these extensions especially for someone who's as young as exum he's 18 when he was drafted are, are risks and now this extension continues that risk but it's not just going to be an absolute killer for a utah team that generally manages its finances very well right and exum can be a part of their rotation even if he ends up not being a, a the perfect starter next to donovan mitchell they're not paying him like a starter so that works out reasonably well the other piece of utah news they re-signed hull netto who had been there who was their third string point guard when the first two were healthy two years 4.4 million they have sufficient bird rights for that so no, nothing big there i'm fine with this again i i wonder about if that second year is guaranteed just was there really a need to a need to give him there it's pretty much at replacement level for me and i like teams having three point guards and i like netto as a third point guard yeah. but that could very well be resolved by this uh, netto a favorite of the on offsets doesn't shoot many threes but does shoot them accurately when he does uh actually a pretty decent defensive player when he's not being overwhelmed size-wise, he was certainly wasn't able to really contribute when he was forced to play with Rubio out against the Rockets but yeah for the regular season and then as a backup point guard kind of a backstop too where hey if Ricky Rubio leaves and they want to bring Exum in as the starter next offseason I mean because that, that's part of the thing thinking with Exum too is hey you know what if he grows then he could just be our starting point guard and we could move on from Rubio and we've got a starting point guard for 11 million uh and so just to have I think there's a big value in okay we've got a guy for the minimum who's been part of our system he's 26 who we trust to do a reasonable job and yeah you know what he's not amazing but hey if we just get ace out we have to, we would have to overpay to get a more established backup next summer or Dante Exum gets hurt again we at least have a guy who's going to get out there and not kill us during the regular season and to pay two million bucks a year for that yeah I'm totally fine with that contract let's jump to Phoenix so this is news that I think has more significance down the line than immediately for logical reasons so Devin Booker is reported by Woj Devin Booker and the Suns are progressing towards finalizing a 
max contract extension. Wait, wait, hold, hold on. I thought he was pissed off because of Tyler Eulis, and he wasn't, he wasn't just going to turn down $158 million. Devin, Devin Booker is a smart man. And so why this is, this is significant for two reasons. One, it's committing to a young player, a young player who scores a lot of points. We, we have both expressed our misgivings with certain parts of his overall game. So that is, that is one significant. I mean, you could think about Andrew Wiggins or numerous other ones of the idea of committing to a young player who is, as all young players are, an unfinished product ahead of you, the time that you have to. The second part of this is in Booker's specific circumstances has greater significance because he was fa- far enough down in the draft that it was a low a low uh, cap hold because it was only going to be about $10 million. And when you sign a player to an extension, your that first year salary, that 1920 in this case salary, replaces the cap hold. And so that takes away about $15 million in cap space for Phoenix the second it is signed. And Phoenix, you know, it's, it kind of seemed to me like one of the things that they had been doing was lining themselves up for being a, 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 a team to use cap in 1920. That's when Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley, among others, expire. And they could still technically do that if they signed Devin Booker to this extension. But it, the math does get a lot harder. And that's why one of my ideas with this would be, and this is just a consideration, it depends on what assets you can get in return, would be to move one or both of Chandler or Dudley for somebody who is already getting paid for that next year and getting an asset in return. There are a lot of teams that don't like the guys they have, but the big question there is what can you get as an asset? It's entirely possible that those teams go, well, yeah, that's something we'd like, but there isn't enough there for us to give you something worthwhile. Yeah, if they're going to be down now to about $20 million in space next summer and we see some of the teams that are out there, and it depends, of course, if they can make a step forward and we'll see how some of these new young guys that they got in look. I mean, if Aiton looks awesome and Booker tapes a step forward to being a superstar, I mean, we certainly have some reservations about Booker. You know, this is not, uh, to me other than the 15 million i'm not like incredibly enamored of just throwing this at booker now maybe he provided some concessions right no player option i don't see him making an all nba team this year but you know maybe there's no designated player element to it there well, well there is if it's going to be five years but there's no element to it of he, he could get more than the 25 percent max so maybe there'll be some concessions here but i don't think so you know usually when these bad teams have a guy like booker they're just like oh we got it we got to just you know, th- throw the five-year offer him because he might want to leave us, you know, so there's an, an insecurity there. And they've always got the maximum qualifying offer that they could give him next summer. Although doing that would nuke their cap space in the same manner as what I'm talking about. And there's a concern, oh, maybe you could sign a two plus one elsewhere or something. Uh, So yeah. Well, it, and, and that gets into... It's actually... It is, yeah, go, sorry, ahead. That, go ahead. Sorry. That gets into something that I, I've always had frustration. I wrote back in the Real, G, in Real GM about how I was critical of the Kings maxing out DeMarcus Cousins. Because for me, if it's not just a, a, a sure thing the biggest risk that you're taking it would take two years of sacrifice for, or two years of risk for them to get out so you'd have the risk of not signing an extension which you know you could argue about who's taking that and then in order for them to get all the way out you would have to be they'd have to take their qualifying offer and for Devin Booker just like for Quinn Capella or any number of these guys that is a gigantic financial sacrifice for them and then as you said max qualifying offer is there if you need it you also have the rights and so I'm not at the point now we're going oh if Devin Booker signs a two 
plus one or more accurately, I think it would be a three plus one that uh, that that's going to be devastating to our franchise. The difference between a three plus one and a five, it's it's there. And I mean, you know, the, there are times when that has ended up being incredibly consequential. Gordon Hayward, I would have felt exactly the same way. I would have made exactly the same argument I just made. And that would have been wrong. You know, like it, it was it would have been right for Utah to do that. But it's just generally the risk proposition yeah. for me. And that's, the, you know, that's the way I go on that. Well, and that was at a time, too, in the summer of 20 or 2013, summer of 2014, where we knew the cap was going up exponentially. And so that, there was that added component that there isn't here. And, you know, Booker is not a max player right now. I know that's going to rub many in Phoenix the wrong way. But when you consider his defense, all of the on-off numbers, now he can certainly get there. And I, he deserves to be lauded for some of the strides that he made, particularly in terms of efficiency last year. But I'm not convinced that this guy is like a no-brainer max guy. I'd feel a lot better about just straight up, okay, we're going to offer you the max next summer when he's shown that he can take more steps forward this year and you see how the fit is with all the rest of these guys but and you know a lot of people were like oh Andrew Wiggins you know, now Booker has been better than Wiggins was before this but Wiggins was scoring 20 a game and middling efficiency and all of a sudden that contract giving him that no-brainer five-year max uh, looks pretty bad right now right so that additional year of information the the fact that you still of course have the restricted rights anyway that you get the extra 15 million in cap space or if you're really that worried if he's just totally blows up you could just give him the maximum qualifying offer if you need to which would mean that any deal would need to be at least three years that he were to sign elsewhere so uh, and, and of course there are nebulous aspects of hey this has been a downtrodden franchise and you want to show this guy right away that you believe in him well you know the Cavs did that with Kyrie Irving too at the moment when he became available and he still wanted out so I don't know that you're really forced to, the idea of oh he's going to get mad yeah okay but uh if you come with the money next year and you explain it as hey we're trying to use this extra 50 million in space that seems to to me seems to be good enough unless you're getting a significant concession for this year and we'll see whether they did or not uh if in fact this gets finalized this uh this week we can go to the minimum contract section of this program and i think we should start with kavon looney this is the most intellectually interesting to me so kavon looney signed a one-year minimum with the warriors and that is significant because since they declined the fourth year player or the fourth year team option on him last year they could have only paid him up to 2.2 million and they got him at even less than that and there is a slight you know discount beyond that just because not not even that whole thing is is subs- part of it subsidized but Looney comes back he might end up being the opening day starter if DeMarcus Cousins isn't ready I think that's kind of where I, I imagine Steve Kerr's headed is at for the moment and you know a, an important part of their center rotation for the coming season yeah and to get someone for the minimum who you're okay starting who didn't kill you maybe you can make some strides offensively with the jump shot a little bit and they will have full bird rights on him next summer are they going to use that to give some big contract to Kevon Looney that seems exceedingly unlikely and and again just to explain what you're talking about here the three-year minimum that he's getting is 15 point or I'm sorry 1.57 million but any one-year deal at the veterans minimum only costs against the cap and the tax 1.51 million which is the second year minimum and so that's why they actually get a little bit of tax savings even off of that so to get him back for this number when you know you're basically at like four dollars four dollars and 25 cents per dollar uh to save five million bucks essentially because they got him at this rather than uh i guess it wasn't quite that much but it, you know three million dollars just because he's making six hundred thousand less that's a 
a nice win for them houston continues their amazing offseason michael carter williams for one year at the minimum <sighs> if michael carter williams could shoot at all he would be a fascinating fit there because defensively i like a lot of what michael carter williams can do he can defend multiple positions he can get steals i remember going back to when he was the rookie of the year with the sixers i mean he he did elements that were very positive the problem is he can't shoot so you don't have to defend him kp had in his this so ridiculous how he does those kind of roundups quickly but he i mean so basically he's been putrid i think it was like 26 percent of his shots outside of 10 feet oh god the last two years well i mean we were just talking and, about him as like he was just shooting overall like 32 percent from the field like it, last year it was it was unbelievable how much he was killing that team and then he had surgery well, actually I, I don't even remember anymore this is <laughs> i know he, he missed the end of the season uh and i can't remember if it was his shoulder or hip both of which oh, he's been plagued by are you emotionally prepared for his true shooting percentage of the last two years i mean i i'm uh very emotionally prepared i've been tracking it and remember this is remember this is true shooting this is not field goal percentage so he gets a better i mean theoretically he would get a benefit here from the free throw line and from three 44.6 true shooting this year 43 7 as a chicago bull in 16 17 that's bad uh that's real bad. so yeah i mean i think like for houston if he's gonna be in the rotation as the backup point guard i mean they he's really they're bringing him in as a third point guard but i still think they might have been able to do even better than that just because like he just can't even play like it, it's really maybe they can rehabilitate him he's got some talent but he's had all these injury concerns too so uh, if he there's just no way he's gonna be like some adequate three-point shooter i mean they've, they've rehabbed a few guys but i'm highly skeptical of that and he's not like a sean livingston where he's got the bounce to really finish inside from the dunker roll or anything like that either yeah and it sounds like i mean it is at the minimum but that's still a roster spot on a team that remember last year there were only depending on the game seven or eight guys sometimes even six that d'antoni really trusted to play in games and so if that's the threshold for me if you can't make it to there to that level to play against the warriors or the lakers if they get there or whoever else that those teams are and you don't have the ceiling to eventually become a, a player who can be that good then i wouldn't really be throwing money at those guys at this point with the Rockets until maybe a little later in the process when you know you have to get somebody else. And then the last of the players in this is Raymond Felton. Felton returns to the Oklahoma City Thunder for one year at the minimum. I think this is a really good signing for the Thunder when you give the constraints of you're getting a point guard for the minimum. I mean, some people are like, oh, you know, he did do a good job. It does do a good job defending like Steph Curry or some of these other guys. Congratulations, you're getting a point guard for the minimum. That's not going to be the case. He is a capable steward. He got basically all of the minutes at point guard that Russell Westbrook didn't play play that were anything other than garbage time he did a pretty good job in those minutes and at some point he might fall apart you know he, he's getting older i think he's 34 at this juncture but i mean they weren't going to do better realistically than him for the minimum yeah i had him you know pretty much mid-tier among my backup one card rankings and so to get that for the minimum and they actually developed a nice chemistry in lineups where felton was the point guard and they had all three of the big three laughable as it is to use that term when carl anthony is involved in it but all three of those guys off the floor they actually had some pretty good plus minus numbers with those units uh, and felton so yeah i mean it's uh really no reason to dislike that signing in the slightest and i think we, we can wrap it up here anything else we got to talk about well i'll promote that i wrote a piece for uh what what was billed as kd day at the athletic which was the the second anniversary of kevin durant signing i was actually part of two pieces one was the the chronology of events that ha- led to it so that's not only like the warriors getting guys at discounts but also the mess up of the extent 
extension rules in the 2011 CBA, all that kind of stuff. So if you want to kind of get the full picture of how that all happened, you can do that there. And then another one that Marcus Thompson put together, which I thought was really cool, was not only from writers, but also from just fans and people who are connected with the team of how that morning went. I thought that was an interesting, the kind of the kind of more on the human side of it that I really, I really did enjoy. And I would suspect I like that by the, the human time, touch. <laughs> and I suspect that by the time this, uh, by the time our next Dunked On comes out, I will have released Real Jam Radio. I am hopefully recording it on Tuesday because heading to Vegas on Friday and hope to have that ready by the time I leave. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening again. And probably we'll be back Sunday night, I'm guessing, unless anything huge happens. So have a, a happy 4th of July and we will talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.